0: Hi there, I'm Mark Swallow, and I'm glad you are joining me for today's God Is podcast. Let's get started learning who God is. Thank you for joining me today from wherever you are and by however you listen, as we meet together coast to coast here in the United States and all the way around the world. I'm looking forward to these minutes we have with one another. I hope you are as well. And let me start with this. I am not sure if you are a person who, from time to time, steps back and takes a view of your life in which you ask the question, how would what is happening in my life find its place in God's grand design for all of life? Do our lives have meaning and purpose in the plans of God for all of history, the past, the present, and the future? Have you thought about this? Of course, in order to ask this question, I admit, you would have to join me in believing that God exists, and that He does have a grand design for everyone and everything He has created and preserved. Foundational to the question about God's purpose for what happens in your life is the conviction that God is working out His plans for all that happens. So, do you believe in the providence of God for everyone, and specifically, for you? As I assess my own life from time to time, I do not do this every day. I have lots of work to do. But when I take an assessment, I do wonder how do I fit in your plans, Lord? Most often, there is really not an answer. It is not that a voice from heaven speaks to me and says, See here, Mark, I did this so that this would happen. And then over here, I was doing X so that Y would be the outcome. Let me let you in on my grand design, my child. I have never heard such words, nor have I been able to piece together the providence of God easily in such a manner. But occasionally, I can look back with some distance from an event or series of events And I do see how God has acted such that I can trace His hand moving me towards an ultimate end that He has in mind. Sometimes the divine action interacts with something I have done, and sometimes what someone else has done to me. For example, I know that at one point in time when I was much younger, I was headed down the poisonous pathway of the sin of pride. But God intervened, and through a series of painful experiences, I was humbled instead. And yet at other critical junctures of my life, such as in how I was parented by my father, which was not very well, his sin against our family, I have seen God overrule that sin, God directing that sin towards God's good purpose in my life. Even the ministry of God is, exists because of what God did, providentially acting in me through the tumult of the family home. It is a long story, and you are not here to listen to it, but I say all of this to share something of who I am, and as an example of how you can apply my question at the start to your life. Do you ask this question? How would what is happening in my life find its place in God's grand design for all of life? Now, you might say, not really. My life is pretty small compared to the large and sweeping plans of God for all of time. Well, I know the feeling. My life is small, too. Neither you nor I are famous. Maybe very few people know us. But God, he knows us. And the testimony of Scripture is clear. God's actively engaged in us, working all things together for His honor and His glory. Somehow, what happens in us and what happens to us is all stewarded by His divine providence. And that is what we will see today as we return now to the story of Joseph. And it might be our tendency to think, oh, well, of course, Joseph! He's famous, as if we cannot compare our lives to his because he's in the Bible and we are just anonymous souls living out our lives in very quiet and unremarkable ways. Well, let me ask for your patience. Let's follow him along now in Genesis 45 and see if we cannot say about our lives what he says about his I will begin our Bible reading at Genesis 45, verse 1, in a moment. You can turn there in your Bible if you're able. But first, some context. As we have learned, Joseph's brothers have sold him into slavery and long presumed him dead. But God preserved Joseph's life, and one providential act led to another and another, and here now is Joseph, the prime minister of all of Egypt. His brothers have come down from the land of Canaan to buy grain, ingredients for food that Joseph has wisely stored, as famine rages across the world. But when the brothers meet Joseph, they do not recognize him. So here, at Genesis 45, Joseph is ready to tell them who he is. He will now reveal his true identity. This is Genesis 45, verses 1 through 4. Then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him, and he cried, "'Have everyone go out from me.' So there was no man with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. He wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard it and the household of Pharaoh heard of it. Then Joseph said to his brothers, "'I am Joseph. Is my father still alive?' But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Please, come closer to me. And they came closer. And he said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. For a moment I paused the reading to say, Wow, imagine this scene in your mind. What a revelation. Joseph is alive. But instead of the brothers rejoicing, they, quote, were dismayed at his presence. Yeah, you could see why. They must have been thinking, we're in big trouble now. Joseph is going to carry out retribution against us for what we did to him. And with all this power that Pharaoh has entrusted to him, we're doomed. How do I know they thought this way or expressed such angst to Joseph? It is because of what Joseph says to them in the next verse, verse 5. This is Genesis 45, 5. Now do not be grieved or angry with yourselves, because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. See, Joseph interpreted their dismay as them being grieved or angry with themselves for what they had done more than two decades before. Please listen instead to Joseph's interpretation of what they did by selling him into slavery. Because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. Did you catch it? Joseph says, God sent me, and he sent me to preserve your lives. Joseph puts the onus on God Joseph says, you, brothers, may have thought you were the ones who got me into this mess, but really, providentially, behind the scenes in heaven, God did. The Lord God put me here, gentlemen. And, and, this is not the only insight Joseph gives into what God has been doing— We'll see more of these as we move through these verses, but as we come to verse 6, we learn about a broad, sweeping, historic impact that will result from what has transpired with Joseph and his brothers, all because God is providentially moving. Let's read about it, and then I will comment. I pick up the reading now at Genesis chapter 45, verses 6 and 7. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant in the earth and to keep you alive by a great deliverance. Ah, Joseph informs them, brothers, there are still five more years of famine. If you do not eat, for five more years, you will be wiped out. You and our people will cease to exist. But Joseph knows that cannot be the case. Why? Why should Jacob and his family, of which Joseph remains a part, why should the Hebrews not starve to death? Why should, in the words of Joseph, there remain a remnant? Why? That's because of God's holy promise to Abraham. Abraham was Joseph's great-grandfather, and God made this promise to Abraham. I am reading something that Joseph knew. In Genesis chapter 12, God promises Abraham, I will make you a great nation, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. In Genesis chapter 15, God promises Abraham, Now look toward the heavens, and count the stars, if you are able to count them. So shall your descendants be, to your descendants I have given this land. And Genesis chapter 17, God promises Abraham, I will multiply you exceedingly. I have made you the father of a multitude of nations." You see, God will sustain Abraham's family, eventually turning them into a great nation and a multitude of people. Genesis 12, Genesis 15, Genesis 17 hold the promise. They will become Israel, the Jewish people, God's people. God is using the circumstances of the sin of Joseph's brothers against him for the larger purpose of preserving the Hebrew people. Isn't that amazing? Oh, think about it. Joseph says, God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant in the earth and to keep you alive by a great deliverance. This passage so clearly shows us the providence of God. What happened in Joseph's life had a significant place in God's grand design for all of human history. And so, what about our lives? Well, let's discuss this tomorrow as we continue to discover who our great and awesome God really is. Thank you for listening to this God Is podcast drop me an email and tell me what you think. mark at godisministry.org That's mark at godisministry.org Please do share this with others and be sure and join me for the next one.